is a Woodside Church podcast. Hello. You've got me again, I'm afraid. We're, thank you. We're looking at when God is on our sides this morning. Ah, I've been looking forward to this one. When God is on our side, as part of our In Christ Alone series, which we're looking at Romans 8 together. It's amazing, actually, it wasn't planned, but where we landed in, in our, in our uh, time together, uh, that final song talked about when God is for us. Uh, and this is, this is very much in line with what we're going to be looking at t- today. What does it mean when God is on our side? When I was probably, I don't know, 14, 15, uh, I was going to Mark Rutherford School. Let's hear it for Mark Rutherford. Sharon was at Mark Rutherford with me. You were not 10 years younger. God is going to... No, he's not, though. Sharon Doughty, as I remember her. Uh, and uh, we went... So this is not important. We went to every, every school, didn't we? Every school. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. It says not. So any, any secret, Sharon has them all. But remember, Sharon, I have some as well, Okay. What happened at school stays at school, that's what they say, right? Anyway, um, I was in the, I think they call it year 10 now. They call it the fourth year back in the day. Uh, And I used to play in the football team and loved playing football. And we had a really good football team. Uh, And in fact, some of the players in my team, (laughs) not me, became professionals. They were were very, very high standard. Uh, And one, um, one time in the fourth year... The coach of our team decided to have a match against the fifth years, who were very, very good. Uh, and I remember this game. We were playing against the year above, so this is year 10 against year 11. And these guys were bigger and stronger. Uh, they uh, played well. And by about half time, I think they were, I think they were 3-0 up. And we weren't doing too bad, but they were overpowering us. Uh, to the point where it was beginning to get quite miserable, <laughs> if I remember it. And then the coach did something that none of us could believe. And he decided to take the best player on the year 11 team and bring him onto our side. Now, this, this lad was called Bruno. Okay, um, let me tell you, Bruno was a, a man among boys. <laughs> Uh, he was huge. I mean, his muscles rippled. He had, he had a five o'clock shadow at 2.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, he was, a, he was a man, I tell you. And he also was a brilliant football player. And so the coach made one change and moved Bruno from one team to another team. Oh, boy, did we have fun. And so with Bruno on our side, not only did we score one goal, Two goal, three goals. I think we scored four, five, maybe even six goals. I can't remember. All I remember is that we totally smashed the older side with Bruno on our side. Now, the illustration is obvious, isn't it? We're talking today about what it is like for us when God is on our side. Way better than even Bruno. When God is on our side, it helps to encourage us 
and strengthen us when life is at its hardest. It's really important that we get our heads around this truth today. Because I know for many of you in this room, or certainly for some of you, you, life is incredibly hard. Things that I probably can't really relate to. This will encourage us, I trust, strengthen us when life is at its hardest. But it also helps us when life is at its best. Because we know where that blessing comes from. Secondly, it helps us to understand God's overarching plan for our lives. That's what these verses are going to, look, going, to, going to unpack for us as we get into them. And also, what we find in our verses, which is from Romans 8, 28 to 34, we find that God is involved in the good, in the bad and the average in our lives. You know, the normal, mundane, day-to-day stuff. Also, somehow God can be involved in our failings, our mistakes. God wants to work in those things, but also works in our breakthroughs as well. This is a wonderful part of Scripture that covers such ground about our lives as believers. There's a middle verse in the verses we're looking at, which is verse 31, which I've already sort of referenced Uh, When Paul, who's the writer uh, to this church, says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? These things are the things we're going to look at. But I wanted just to highlight this right at the beginning. He says this, If God is for us, who can be against us? When God is on your side, it doesn't matter who's against us, is what Paul is landing on. And it's almost like the the pinnacle of these verses. It starts well and it builds to this point and then he unpacks it afterwards about what it also means when God is on our side. Wonderful section of scripture that some of you will know well, but I really want to get into it and unpack about how does it apply to us, really, to know when God is on our side. Let's pray together, shall we? Then we get into God's word together. Lord, I thank you that as we've worshipped together, you have led us. Uh, to a place of already being reminded that you are for us. Now, Lord, in a a room of people like this, there will be people in many different uh, situations, circumstances, many different stories. Uh, Lord, some I know would have been and are very difficult. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us grace and give us wisdom. Help us by your Spirit to navigate truth that will serve all of us in this room. But Lord, even if life is going well today, because we live in a fallen world, there may well be a time when we go through real hardship and real difficulty. And the truth that we read today will bring life to us in those circumstances. It will remind us that you are for us and that whatever we face, somehow, God, you work in those things. And so, Lord, I pray, Spirit, would you lead us and speak to us and guide us as we share together in your word. And I pray that your word will do its work amongst us. In the end, it's not about what I say. It's about the life that's in God's word. And so we pray that we would be, uh, we would really know truth in our hearts today. Not in our minds, but in our hearts that would set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Romans 8, we've been looking at for a little while, 
And we've enjoyed this. I think it's been really helpful to go through this together. We start at verse 28, which goes like this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, we're going to carry on reading, but I just want to take almost each section as they come and unpack it so. And we know that in all things, God works for those for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So who is this talking to? Who benefits from this remarkable truth that we're going to unpack together? It's important to be really clear, this is talking to believers, because it's those who love God and who are called to his purpose. This isn't, just, this isn't like a general rule of life. In fact, the general rule of life is completely the opposite because we live in a broken world. And so we shouldn't anticipate that things generally, for for, for everyone, that things will work for the good. This is talking to believers. But really interestingly, uh, the words describe two sides to the picture of what a believer is. There's, if you like, a divine side. There's who have been called... And there's a human side who love him, who love God. Right at the beginning of these verses, Paul is trying to say something quite profound, actually. Is that in a believer's life, there are two aspects involved in someone following God. There's God's initiative. There's a divine side. There's the fact they're called. God initiates. God reveals himself to us. But also there's a response. There's a response of love back to him. And so we see these two things at play. We see that God is sovereign, but also we see this human response. And you see these parallels throughout Scripture where you see, well, God is in control, but also men and women have free choice to make their decisions. And and to be honest, I don't completely understand it. There's a mystery involved here how God can be both in control and also there can be free will. But we see these two things illustrated in these verses. There's a divine thing. God calls, but also it's about those who love him. It's how they respond to the love of God. But we also see that it's about in all things, God works. So this is for believers who love and who are called, but in all things, God works. This is about God doing something for those who follow him. In the good, God works. In the bad, God works. In our successes and our breakthroughs, God works. But also in our failings, God works for the good of those who love him. Let's just unpack some of those things. So God works for the good. Now let's be on let's Let's be clear before we get into this that none of this is saying that that bad or negative things are good. None of this is saying it. It's just saying that in different circumstances of life, God brings stuff out that only he can do. So let's look at that. The good. This verse is about God bringing good out of good. This is about us knowing that when good, when blessing comes to our, to our lives, it should produce something in us in terms of love and praise and gratitude and adoration to the one who is the one who blesses us. 
And so sometimes we can think this is only talking about negative things. Actually, it's talking about good things. God brings good out of good. It's wonderful, isn't it? But what about when things go wrong? What about if you're struggling to find a job? What if there's been a breakdown in relationship with a friend or family member? What about your boss is treating you unfairly? Or you're being overlooked to promotion? Or if you're a student, if you're, you're not being treated well by your peers? Or whatever it may be, when something is wrong in your life, these words are saying, God can bring good out of that. And I'm not talking about suffering and real hardship. I'll get to that in a moment. But this is talking about normal stuff of life that we all face. I used to be in business many years ago, many years ago now. Uh, and we used to have a, uh, uh, something that I was taught, actually, is when a problem comes, it's, I mean, it's a bit cliche, but it helps me. When a problem comes, don't see a problem as a problem, see it as an opportunity. Colin's heard that before. And it's a good attitude change, you know. It's, 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 it's not seeing <laughs> everything as a problem. It's actually, what's the opportunity that can come out of this? Well, in a similar way, that's what these verses are saying. When, when some negative comes into our lives, God is looking for some positive to bring out of that. It's really quite wonderful, actually. What about real challenges, troubles and pain and suffering? which could be something that you're going through because of something that circumstances that have been, uh, been affected by someone else's actions, or it could be by your own actions. You might be able to echo Joseph, who told the brothers, this is a story from the Old Testament, told the brothers who sold him into slavery, he said these words, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. See, there's a principle that even the most worst things that we may walk through, God can use it for good. It doesn't mean that what one's gone through is good. Of course not. But in the providence and the sovereignty of God, he can bring good things out of even the darkest moments of our lives. As I was with my community group this week, I was, had all this in my head as we were chatting about last, last week's sermon. And they were very patient with me because I kept bringing in the verses from this week, uh, which probably wasn't that helpful. Uh, but as we were discussing about the, the picture of Romans 8, uh, someone in the group shared about how God had taken them through a, a period where they had known something very, very dark in their lives. But they were able to look back on that and see how God had helped them, but also how God had brought them through and was bringing some good out of that situation. And when we were talking to a group, I asked that person if they'd be able to share with us. Because in the end, reading what the truth of the Bible is one thing which is great, but actually this is real life and real situations. And so I'd, I'd love to invite Rachel, Rachel Quell, who some of you know very well, others you don't know so well. Rachel, would you come and join us? And would you give Rachel a welcome, please? To Pastor Colin. bit more of a cheer than that, I think. Yeah. So I've asked Rach just to share a bit of her story, and uh, I think you'll find it really helpful. All right? Take your time. 
keep my mouth shut at Greek next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, so just, um, I'm Rachel, I'm married to Steve, I have two boys, um, and please just hear this well. Don't hear that I'm heroic in any way or that uh, I clung to God and did this really well because I didn't. Um, and also I am very aware that if somebody had just shared this with me a year ago, I'd have been like, what do you know? Like, um, so, but I just pray that it gives you hope. Um, so, um, I'm a nurse. Um, I worked in intensive care at Bedford Hospital during COVID, and um, it was tough. Um, I think up until then, I'd had a very easy life, and nothing bad had ever happened, which, you know, is amazing. But um, I think COVID hit me hard. I had to watch a lot of people die, and... Um, I had to hold their hands as they did, um, <clears throat> and I had to be everything for them um, when they were really frightened. Um, and that took its toll. So um, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of fell apart, really. Um, and at the time, I didn't have time to process it because um, I didn't have time to. You had to carry on, and I couldn't fall apart at work because that wouldn't have been helpful. Um, so I carried on and when things started to calm down I think that's when it hit me um, and I was quite angry with God I think I didn't really understand what was happening or how how it could have happened um, and that was probably my only emotion the rest of my life was quite numb um, I'd sit with the boys and just be thinking why am I, not, why am I sitting here like I'm literally just sitting here. Had no feeling whatsoever. And I'd put up a lot of, lot of barriers, I think, um, to protect myself and so that I didn't fall apart. And I think I thought if I, if I let those barriers down, I'd cry and I'd never stop crying because it was so painful. Um, and I think I became quite depressed. Um, but, and at the time, I couldn't see God in it at all. Um, I couldn't bring myself to pray, um, had no sense of God being close to me through it. I felt alone and abandoned. Um, but looking back, um, God was in it. Um, and I did manage to pick up the phone and call a counsellor. And I had counselling, I had CBT. Um, and I even applied for a new job. And I think if anyone's <clears throat> ever been depressed, you'll know how hard it is to be motivated enough to, to do something. However desperate you are to do something about it, it's very hard to do something about it. Um, <clears throat> and so I think that had to be God, because I, have, I don't have very, have very much memory of doing it, um, and I didn't, have it, I didn't have anything left to be able to do it. So I think you know, that had to be God. Um, and I think it could have been much worse. I had colleagues that were in bed for months um, due to the effects of COVID and everything that we saw. Um, and actually, God is amazing how he works because I had shut him out and I didn't want to pray or, um, you know, 
come close to him, but he used other people to do that. And his Holy Spirit spoke to friends and people I didn't know um, and gave them words to share with me and asked them to pray for me. They sent me songs and it was encouraging. Um, so I had, I bet somebody sent me a song. Um, it's Maverick City one, the story I'll tell. And part of that song um, talks about having hope and going through the storm and feeling like God's not there and not understanding what he's doing. Um, but actually, in, in years to come, they look back and say, actually, God, God didn't fail me. And I really, I really do believe that my God didn't fail me. Mm. He was there and he was using other people to talk to me, even when I completely shut him out. Um, and I think now I'm stronger. Um, I'm more confident in who I am. I couldn't have stood here a year ago, even though this is quite hideous. Um, <laughs> and I can imagine my feelings. I manage my feelings better. I can process. I can talk about things rather than shutting them away. Um, and some of that is through my family, being supportive through the counselling and everything but God, God is a huge part of that I think um, and I have empathy like I think I didn't understand mental health problems before and I would have said come on snap out of it get on with it and that's just not true <laughs> um, and now I can empathize and I, I if someone is having a rubbish time and it's just rubbish like I'm more than happy to sit and cry with them because Sometimes things just are rubbish. And, but there is hope. Um, and I won't forget what I've seen. Um, and those, I still have pictures in my mind. I still have bad days. But I, ha I do feel like I've come out the other side. And I feel like I've come out the other side stronger and closer to God as a result. So. Well done. Brilliant. Well done. I love the fact that, uh, thank you, Rachel. So, so helpful. I love the fact that Rachel started with, uh, I hope this brings you hope. Uh, and, uh, and I think there, in a room like this, there'd be people that have no dark times. You may be in a dark time now. Uh, but you have to hear that as awful as what Rachel experienced, and, and maybe for you what you've experienced is worse, uh, but actually... <coughs> The Bible says, and God says, that he works in all things, in all things, for the good, for those who love him and call to his name. And so for some of you, that's what God wants you to hear today. He really does. And at the end of this morning, uh, I'm going to just invite, uh, at the end of the service, those who would love to talk and pray with someone to come to the front, and we'll get some folks to talk and pray with you. Uh, you may be at the beginning of a journey. Uh, sometimes it's, it's taken Rachel some time to get to where she is and clearly still processing some of the things that she experienced, which we know was, was, you know, was hell on earth. You know, it was a terrible time. Uh, but actually God brings healing and then brings goodness and restores us in a way that only he can do. Amen.
So maybe for some of us, just think through that as we continue. Okay, let's move on. Okay, the next part of this scripture is really fascinating to see that God has a systematic plan for us. I don't know if you realize this. Often we think, uh, <laughs> for those of us, we like to be very led by the Spirit and, you know, and, 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 and very spontaneous. And that's fine. That's part of it as well. But actually, God has an overarching plan for us as well. Uh, and so within the spontaneous, within the Spirit working, in His time, in His moments, we see that actually God has, has a plan for us. This is the way Paul explains it in verse 29. For those God foreknew, and we'll talk about some of these words in a moment. For, for those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. You've got these words, foreknew, predestination, called, justified and glorified. Glorified is like when we're made perfect, when we, when we meet Jesus face to face, when, we, when, when, when everything is made new and we are made new with him. But it also talks about God who foreknew us. This foreknowledge of God probably refers to his intimate knowledge and of relationship with believers whom he predestined, who he chose, who he has chosen Paul uses the term predestination when speaking of God's plan because he wants to make it clear our salvation starts with God's choice, not ours. Do you remember at the beginning it said that for those who love him and are called to his name. There's there's an initiative that God has taken upon us. God chooses us. What it doesn't say is that God chooses some not to come into relationship with him that some people will call double predestination. And some Christians like talking about and pontificating about these things, about, well, if, this, if, if God chooses, well then, and he chooses those to be saved, well then, does that mean God chooses some not to be saved? The Bible never, never says that. In fact, there's times when the Bible says the complete opposite. In that classic verse, John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world. In Romans 6, verse 10, uh, Paul writes, the, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. Do you understand? So, so sometimes Christians go down real back alleys about the whole predestination and God choosing, missing the whole point. What Paul is trying to say, that God so loves you that he chose you and he initiated He said, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to call you. And then we, according to this, respond to his love. Do you understand? So please don't go down those back alleys. Because it's not how the Bible talks about how God chooses. This is a beautiful truth that actually the more you realize how much God loves you and initiated his love upon you, the more we can be secure in our salvation. 
securing God's love for us, secure that nothing will separate us from the love of God, which he goes on to say, this is the point that Paul's trying to say. Whenever you have those doubts about, does God really love me? Am I really secure in his in salvation? You know, it, 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 is, it, is it all okay between me and God? Well, this is really clear. This is what the message that, that uh, Paul is trying to say, that he has chosen us. And then he's chosen us on, with, with a plan in place. If the foreknowledge led to predestination and we're called, we're justified, which means being made right with God. And there's a plan that we will be one day glorified, that there'll be a transformation in our lives that will finish in this glorification. So it's a wonderful plan. Paul said, there's a plan. There's a plan for our lives. Hallelujah. And then verse 31, Paul gets to that key moment that I mentioned right at the beginning. And then he says this, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's like in light of everything I've been talking to you, not just in the verses we're looking at, but in the whole of Romans 8 and probably preceding, Paul is saying, what can we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he continues, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, Graciously give us all things. He begins to pose lots of questions. There's actually six questions that Paul uh, looks at. He then goes on to say this. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is, is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us, which we looked at when we were sharing communion together. There are six points, six questions that Paul lands with at the final part of this section. Let me just quickly go through them. This is about when God is on our side. The first is this. What then shall we say in response to this, Paul asks. And the answer is, if God is for us, who can be against us? There are things that oppose us as believers, but none of these can prevail against us because God is is on our side. And then he expands. He says, He will not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. He's saying that I've, the Father's given his Son, how much more would he give us all things? Because of he's also given his everything in the giving of his Son. Fourthly, who will bring any charge against those, who God, those whom God has chosen? We know that it's God who justifies. All accusations against believers are dismissed. And finally says, who is he that condemns? His answer is no one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And then he finishes with one more, which I'm not going to comment on because Felix is speaking next week. Who shall separate from the love of God? Question number six. But we're going to use that as the next section, the beginning of the next section next week. Let's just land this together. I'm aware of time, but I just want to bring these things together. There's two, if you like, there's there's a beginning and an end to, to this section. There's verse 28, which we started with, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And then Paul, at the end, points to Christ. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. 
I think it's really interesting that we've got those two sections. One's about in all things God works for the good, and then Paul talks about Christ dying. You see, what I think is significant for us today is that when Christ died, the early believers, the early followers would have said, it's over. They would have said, nothing good can come out of this moment. Our leader, our saviour, our Jesus has died. No good can come out of this moment. But of course, we now know that even in the worst atrocity, the killing of God, the worst evil that could have ever happened on this earth, everyone around said, this is, this is the end. We know that God even used the death of his son to bring good, the, the most remarkable good there could ever be. Salvation, restoration, healing, reunited with our Father in heaven. Do you understand? It's remarkable, isn't it? So if you struggle, that can God really bring good out of this? Just point yourself to the cross. There's the greatest, the greatest negative there's ever been, yet God brings the greatest positive there has ever been. Hallelujah. So friends, we have a God who understands our suffering. He understands what you're going through right now. In fact, he is a God who has suffered. So he's not a distant God, but he's also a God who is powerful enough to bring good out of whatever we're facing, yesterday, today, or even tomorrow. Amen? Let's stand together to pray together. I'm just going to leave this in prayer. I just encourage you, if you know God has been stirring your heart as we've been looking at this, as I've shared, as Rachel shared, even during our, our time together sharing communion, God was speaking to us. If you know God is speaking to you today, I just encourage you to be open to him right now. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus, we thank you that right now you're interceding for us. You're praying for us. And Jesus, we can be confident that you are praying, of course, in line with your will, and your purposes, and your best for us. Jesus, we want to receive all of the best you have for us. Lord, I pray for my dear friends that those who have gone through or or are going through real difficult times, whatever that might look like, Lord God, we pray would you come alongside them by your spirit. Would you bring healing Would you bring strength? Would you bring peace? Would you bring a way out? A path to to all that you have for them? Lord, I pray you administer to us right now. We receive, Lord, from you. We thank you that you are looking to repair us, to restore us, to help us. We say, Spirit, come and do that, we pray. Remind us of your love for us. Remind us that you're the God who brings good out of any circumstance. 
Remind us that you're a faithful God. Remind us of times in our lives where we can point to your faithfulness, your consistency, the fact that you are indeed the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, we receive from you now. And we pray, Lord, that the overwhelming feeling that we would have today would be hope. Hope that you have our lives in your hands. Hope that you're going to bring good out of whatever circumstance. Hope that we have a God who is for us, not against us. Hope that we have a God who is on our side. Lord, we are believers, which means we recognize that life sucks sometimes. Life is tough sometimes. Sometimes it feels like it's too much to carry. But Lord, we are not without hope because God, you are with us. And you are carrying us and you are leading us. We bless you, Jesus, and we thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.